Hi, everybody. My next guest has recently launched her NFT collection. And full disclaimer, I own one. That's because I believe in NFTs that have a sense of purpose. You know, I've worked with the most incredible female journalist in the world going by the name of Christiane Amanpour. And that's a name drop, but it just felt so right to be part of a collection that elevates critical thinking and education for women. And that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation with Maliha Obidi. Maliha, welcome to Real Vision. Hi, Elaine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Um, Honestly, even if this wasn't for Real Vision, I'm just like always so excited to talk to you. You're just such a wonderful person. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I know we've been so active on Twitter with each other, but with, on Twitter with each other, because every day I see you just, you know, striving to what the ultimate goal is with your collection. So before we actually get into it, I, I mean, we've done a little pre-interview. I just want you to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, because I just think you're so damn cool. So tell our viewers who you are a little bit. Um. Okay. So, um, my name is Mediati. I'm an artist, an author, and an activist. My work mainly focuses on women's rights, girls' education, and mental health. Um, and I have been using my platform for the past nine years, um, you know, for exactly that, you know, uh, to my platform. I think if I were to put it in one sentence is um, activism through art. And, you know, it, it, it has a lot of storytelling. It has a lot of celebrating stories of women, as well as highlighting real, real issues in our society that need our attention and sometimes our immediate attention. So um, that's that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not letting you skip that by too easily and too quickly. Your book is called Rise, right? And you speak to, you know, the first black female astronaut. Like, tell me a little bit about your book as well. Yeah, so my second book is called Rise, and it, the name is inspired by Maya Angelou's um, poem, Still I Rise. And so, you know, it's a collection of uh, 100 portraits and stories of women of color from around the world, which includes Black, Indigenous, and various women of color, Arab, uh, Pakistani, um, you know, Indian, all from all over the world, from um and, and like all continents as well. So basically, like, um, and yeah, you're you're right. There's the first first um, you know black astronaut, female astronaut um, in there as well. Her name is uh, Dr. Macy Jemison. Uh, but alongside her story, there's so many other stories in there as well. And this book really came out of my frustration because um, I'm Pakistani American. But um, as an immigrant, I tend to see things from different perspectives and not just from perspective of being an American. Um, and I feel like a lot of text out there that focuses on celebrating women, especially women's stories or influential women's stories, tend to only be about American women. Um, so they will be talking about, let's say, diverse stories. And they will be only talking about like di- racial diversity within the United States. So not mm. talking about like, let's say if they're talking about black women, they are only including uh, African-American women rather than, you know, women also from other, other parts of the world, let's say the Middle East or, um, you know, the actual African continent. Um, and same with, let's say, brown women, they will be talking about 
Indian women who are in the United States or Pakistani women who are in the United States or Asian women who are in the United States, but not from the actual Asian continent. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it came from like a lot of frustration that, you know, diversity also includes geographic diversity, you know, talk, thinking about different cultures around the world, different values around the world. And what does it mean to be a woman of color um, in various parts of the world? And um, a, a huge part of that also came from me being a Muslim woman because Middle East and Middle Eastern women and, you know, Muslim women in general. So Pakistan is not in the Middle East, but, you know, uh, majority of the Muslims are in the Middle East. So Middle Eastern women in general, or Muslim women in general, are portrayed as these oppressed figures, you know. So I wanted to, actually, this book was supposed to be about 50 Muslim women, and then it turned into uh, 100 women of color. So it came from this frustration again that please stop labeling women and thinking that, you know, they're oppressed. There, There are circumstances that are trying to oppress women, but look at all of these stories that are rising, you know, for themselves, for their community. Um, and I also don't like using the phrase, giving women a voice. They have a voice. You're just not listening. So, <laughs> you know, like, so these, these these are like some of the frustrations that kind of gave birth to this book. I hear you. I hear you. And that's fantastic. And, and not only that, okay, so I like to do my homework, as you know, and I've read that you are a, or a student or maybe you've graduated as a medical neuroscience background as well. Yeah, I'm not graduated yet because I keep holding, I keep kind of like taking breaks because I have to, I have a literally like a full-time career as an artist and an author. So I need to keep managing things. Um, yeah. You know, people, I, I'm honestly studying this um, because of my passion for science. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, that yeah. is my subject and, you know, that that is what I'm studying in. And my minor is in uh, women's and gender studies. Um, uh, but but yeah, it's something that I keep kind of... But uh, you've decided to use your time to channel into this crazy NFT world. <laughs> well, you know, NFTs are... Uh, it's, I'm, I'm very new in my journey to NFTs, as, as I'm sure you hear this all the time from people. Um, but yeah, so I've only been in the NFT space for a couple of months. And as a traditional artist, it was quite a natural or a smooth transition for me to extend my work into the nft space but again it's not it's not what i do full-time like i'm not invested in nfts full-time even though it takes a lot of my time just like all of us everyone i don't even know I, I think we're not even a year deep in into nfts yet that it's hanging on everyone's mouth so i know that exploring you know, culture has always been a part of you. It's just in your DNA. So why don't you go ahead and just tell us about your NFT collection? Yeah. Um, so you're talking about women rights, right? Or do you want me to talk about the, the women that no, are definitely your own collection. Oh, the stage okay. is yours, Maliha. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I just wanted to like, uh, because I'm slowly becoming a collector as well. So yeah. Um, oh, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love so, to know what's in your collection a little bit, but man, Maliha, yes. th- I mean, look, let's just talk about your NFT collection. Tell our viewers what it is. Why is it making so much noise? Why you have so many like high profile people in the space following your, your project? Yeah. So, um, well, 
what what I'm trying to do in the NFT space, firstly, it's very, very important for me to start by saying that, you know, it's wonderful that people love the project and see it uh, as, you know, a project that's making noise for the right reasons. But I wouldn't be able to do this project without my wonderful team that includes um, you know, um, Aski, our project director, Saudi, our developer, um, Abby, our community manager, and Kat, our advisor. Um, and our team is, and of course, like our community is so, is so kind. And, you know, they're so, such compassionate people, I swear. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, and you don't have to add this in the interview, but just to give you an example of what kind of, what kind no, of. No, we're going to say hello to all of them in this interview. Thank you for your incredible work. <laughs> No, no, this this part that I want to say, like literally, like, um, do you know what the, what the word Pocky means? Pocky. Oh, yeah. So right. it's a racial slur, basically, for South Asians. And yeah, I have, it's a derogatory have, term. Yeah, I've only been called that twice in my life in general, and I've been called oh. that four times in the NFT space in the last couple of months. And my community comes, you know, comes like they literally with such kindness and with such heart, they like, you know, make sure that that they're respectful and they're not hurting that hater, but they're, you know, making sure that they are supporting me and the project. Like they are so, you know, such compassionate people and anybody who's like, you know, asking any questions about NFTs, we all just jump, like, include, like including the community, just jump to help them understand the space as well. So, you know, like they're the real world, stuff that we all hate you know like racism or misogyny all of that is present in the space but we are like the kind of community that women rise is it's so honestly like it makes me believe in humanity again <laughs> during oh. those times where you know when things seem really dark because of the news or whatever is happening in the world the pandemic all of those things you know um, but yeah, Women Rise is a is a collection of ten thousand NFTs that is celebrating uh, women scientists, women activists, artists, coders, and more. And it is honestly like a gateway. It became like a gateway for me um, to enter this space. But and it's but slowly, it's not going to be an NFT project. Like you're not going to see this as an NFT project in a year from now. Um, you're going to see it as an as an organization that is advancing human rights in Web three. Um, mainly women's rights and marginalized voices. Um, so you know that that is what we're trying to do um, in this space. And one of our one of my personal goals with Women Rise is um, I have several goals. You know, like we as a team, we have several goals. But one of them is to bring hundred thousand women into the space by the end of twenty twenty two. And another one, the biggest one that we have is to build the first school in the metaverse. And that's not capitalizing on students who already have access to education and charging them a fee. That's literally free education for students or for children who never even had the option to get an education. They never, they've never seen a school, they've never seen books, and but they don't have to rely on a building or they don't have to rely on physical books anymore because we're going to be building that for them. Um, there are more than, you know, they're around... Um, more than 200 million children out of school um, and uh, 129 million of them are girls. Um, they're more than more than 200. I think they're 250 million. I think I'm going, I'm going to double check that statistic, but I know about the, the girls There are 129 million girls out of school at the moment. That's a huge number that nobody should be okay with. 
um, you and I, we didn't have to fight for an education. You know, we we could go to school, we could go to college. Uh, we were free. It's a human right that all should have. A lot of people don't have that. You know, when I hear you talk like this, uh, and it's very realigned with the vision of, um, well, the youngest uh, Nobel Prize winner, Malala Yousafzai. Um, and, I, and I think I actually read somewhere that part of your collection goes to her fund as well, which is all for education, women in education as well. Is that is that true? Yes, that's very much true. So we are supporting four different organizations. Um, all of them are focused on women's rights, girls' education and mental health. So one of the first yeah. organizations we will be supporting is Manala Fund. The other three are Girl Effect. Um, the PAC project, which focuses on period poverty, uh, because mm -hmm. period poverty doesn't just impact women's health, but it also impacts a girl's education. Like you're missing school for seven to 12 days just because you don't have, you know, basic resources uh, yeah. as a menstruator. Um, and then the fourth organization is Sola Afghanistan, which is an Afghan girls school that fled Afghanistan, um, you know, and they're they're able to continue their education. Uh, but so many girls, it has been more than 80 days in Afghanistan that they haven't had their basic human right to get an education. So these are the four organizations we're supporting. I mean, I think that's basically why I got into interested into your collection so earlier on, because I remember I was one of the first news producer when Malala was being taken from Pakistan the moment she was shot. And I was outside that very hospital in Birmingham, just reporting on this little young girl. So and now I've seen her blossom and grown to now she's getting, you know, she's recently married. And I just, it was just fascinating that, you know, her journey along the way. And I can see this, this whole sort of, I don't know, the, just the fight for education um, deep within this NFT collection. So, you know, Malia, I want to ask you, you chose to launch your collection in solidarity with the UN's campaign. And I think it's called, um, uh, 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. Did I get yes. that right? Okay, yes. so You're that that <laughs> that's a big deal. So you chose to launch that uh, Women Rise NFT collection in align with the UN's 16 days of activism. Tell me why that was sort of so important to you and that was really clear on your roadmap from the get-go. So there are a few reasons for that. Um, firstly, I've been very, very clear about, you know, what we are trying to do with Women Rise. You know, we as a team, what we're trying to do. And that's why we have attracted the kind of community that we have attracted. So it's very natural for projects to get the attention, a lot of attention on the launch day. So we wanted to use that attention that, okay, while you're minting, this is what we're driving the attention that's to. That's your purpose, yeah. Yeah, that's what, like, you know... Let's utilize that attention and that traffic in spreading awareness about 16 days of activism, which mm -hmm. shouldn't just be talked about during 16 days of activism. We should be talking about that all year round. But another reason was, and this is this is the bigger reason, mm -hmm. we talk about in the NFT space very, very proudly, you will hear this time and time again, we are early, we are ahead of everyone, we're progressive. Why don't I see that? when it comes to human rights. And that's perfectly fine for an artist to just kind of care about their own platform because artists are trying to make, you know, uh, make a living. And this is a revolution for artists. But I'm talking about uh, people who do come from privileged backgrounds, who do 
have the time and resources to invest in these, you know, in these um, kind of campaigns and talk about them using their platforms. So spreading awareness is the bare minimum that you can do. Um, just resharing, talking about it, because somebody in your, like, we were, we didn't just kind of uh, talk about 16 days of activism for 16 days. We kind of, uh, you know, shared resources where you can donate, where you can um, sign up to change laws in various countries, where you can sign petitions. Um, yeah. But also, is that, is is that it, momentum? Like, if you can push an NFT collection and that momentum, why can't yeah. you put human rights? Okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, but also, like, you know, we say, okay, one day in the NFT world is like a year. I then want to see gender equality in my lifetime if one day is equal to a year in this space, in Web3. You know, because right now it's going, to take, it's going to take more than 100 years. I'm not going to see that. Maybe my daughter will, maybe her daughter will, but I'm not going to see that. Um, because I'm 26 right now. I'm not living for another 100 years, you know? So I want to see if one, year, <laughs> yeah. um, if, if one year is equal to well, sorry, one day is equal to one year in the NFT world. I want to see that for women and girls, and I want to see that right now. I want to see that, and that includes eliminating gender-based violence around the world because we're talking about women's rights. We're not talking about gender women empowerment. We're talking about women's rights, and that includes eliminating violence against women, advancing human rights, eliminating climate change as well because that's going to make gender, um, gender inequalities worse. That includes yeah. a girls' education, and that includes whole lot, um, a whole lot of other things. Now, you said education as we spear towards a remote economy, and the world's education, you know, like you slightly mentioned before, will change within the metaverse. The boundaries of sort of digital education will have no limits. How are you contributing towards this change? I want to just go into a little bit deep dive into women in Web3. Yeah, well, firstly, I personally think we need to reimagine the entire educational system. Um, I don't think the current education system we have um, around the world is uh, a very helpful one. I think it just kind of pressures a lot of students and it doesn't motivate them to learn a lot. Um, it's quite, uh, in some parts of the world, it's quite elitist as well. So not everybody has access to education, especially like well, the internet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the digital divide is another thing that we need to think about, right? So um, how we're kind of like, you know, first first initiative that we have started is like even leading up to our launch, we were putting out educational content um, to educate people. What is NFT? What is Web3? What is blockchain? And, you know, like just kind of talking about that. But when it comes to like education in the traditional sense, that is what the school will be for. So we will be teaching like, you know, general subjects like English, math, and they will have access to teachers from around the world. You know, the students will have access to teachers um, from around the world. So they will be math, English, science, you know, all of the normal subjects, but there also will be education about Web3 because um, right now, uh, the kids being born right now, 60% of them won't be even doing the jobs that exist today. You know, they will have completely different jobs in, in the future. <laughs> uh, and I'll find that statistic like properly and send it to you if you want to, like um, if you find if you want to find a source or something, I'll send that to you. But um, 
this, these are the kind of things that, you know, that make me really hopeful for Web3. And this is why urgently we need to include women and girls right now, because otherwise it's going to be too late and we're going to repeat the same mistakes as Web2 and we're going to have the same problem on our hands where women, where not enough women are in tech, you know, like w- yeah. what we saw in Web1 or Web2. Um, yeah. Slowly that's you know- I was speaking yeah. to, uh, I came from um, the event that we just did in Vegas and I was, yeah. you know, people were asking me, so how did you get into crypto? And I said to them, you know, the reason why I think I'm actually in the space because I see everything building from ground, you know, like nothing at the moment. Okay. We're literally building the pipelines. And I was saying like so many like wives just come forward to me and said, you know, I'm teaching all my friends, I'm teaching. And there is a lot of educational theme that they run because they already are trying to desperately learn themselves, but yet they're at the forefront of teaching their community and their circle. Mm. And I said, that was basically, you know, from my experience. And I was just thinking to myself, my goodness, the whole like history of education women were not even allowed to teach at one point so while we can grab this from the very get-go we need to be there definitely and you know even right now i mean it wasn't that long ago in 2018 where women were fighting for their right to drive in the 21st century you know, mm. and, you know, like you're talking about teaching, right? There was a time where women weren't allowed to get education in general. Like, whether we're talking about higher education or, like, you know, basic education. And unfortunately, right now we have many nations, one of them being Afghanistan, where girls are not allowed to get an education. Mm. Uh, in other parts of the world, they just don't have the resources. If a family has the resource and they have a son and a daughter, they're going to invest that in a son you know, because he is seen as the breadwinner of the family. So, you know, there's so many cultural and systemic problems that comes with being a girl, not even a woman, a girl. So you're like, you've had that fight, you know, since like your your inception, basically, you know, like since the moment you're conceived, mm-hmm. like it's it's unreal. So, you know, and we need to kind of, we talk about being uh, ahead. We talk about being, um, you know, uh, early. It needs to include this. And it's a shared yeah. responsibility. Um, yeah. yeah, so we definitely need to, like, think about it critically and we need to do it right now. Because, honestly, like, I see this as a radical tool to fix gender equality issues right now. We can do that. We can, because we can fix the financial independence for women. We can Absolutely. provide um, so many opportunities for women that will fix a lot of gender equality issues. We can advance human rights. With that, we can advance so much in one, because of one technology, you know, because mm. of Web3. And we can do it very, very quickly. Yeah. We need yeah. to work. It's the reason why I'm in crypto. I mean, the reason why I stepped in as well is to close that gender disparity, um, you know, in every sort of uh, space that we've got. Um, So also, I see (laughs) the best that I can. Honestly, I meet people who come to me and they say, Elaine, you have all this energy. Where does it come from? Because we're all running to make something at this very crucial time while things are growing just at an exponential rate. It will go from millions to billions of users 
overnight in Web3. And I truly believe that. Um, thank you. That's made me flustered. But I see you mobilizing other women, okay, in the NFT space, other female empowering projects um, along with you uh, in the NFT community. Tell me a little bit about that. I think I saw a letter somewhere where you got Boss Beauties, Crypto Chicks, Women and Weapons. These are all big, prominent NFT um, collections uh, in the space. What are you doing there? What what What's going on there? Yeah, so with the letter, that was another way of like, you know, kind of putting this letter out there um, as a community and as female founders in this space. So I messaged um, several female founders. Um, I love all of these projects that you just mentioned, uh, all of the projects that are on the letter. Um, and I wish there were more because, um, but unfortunately, there are not a lot of female-led projects. Next year, the letter will have a lot more projects on it. Um, mm -hmm. But also part of it was because like, I was able to compile the letter and reach out to them in a very small amount of time. Um, but I reached out to, you know, four female founders of female-led projects, female-founded projects. And I shared this idea of 16 Days of Activism letter with them. I wrote the letter, shared, uh, shared that with them. And I said, I want to put this out together, put a united front and talk about this and encourage our communities to talk about it because we all are female-led projects. We all have similar goals of uplifting women, but that needs to come with addressing a very serious issue that millions and millions of women face around the world, especially because of the pandemic, it has increased so much, you know, of violence against women around the world. So that's where that idea came from. And I wanted to, you know, I wrote that letter, I shared it with the female founders, they signed it, and we were able to put it out there. And the community shared it, but they shared it with their own experiences as well. And I cannot imagine how that may have supported somebody who was suffering in silence, you know, who was probably, and we, it, we shared some resources as well. We shared organizations, um, again, donation links, uh, petition links, where you can sign up and write to your representatives to change the law, you know, all of these different things. Uh, firstly, why doesn't every country has a law to protect women in general, like period, like that's a basic thing. Like, why are you, why are you denying it? You know, but there are still petitions out there and, you know, um, all of these, yes, yeah, so this was, this was just an idea to kind of, you know, we are celebrating women, but let's talk about something that impacts millions and millions of women. Okay. Then, yeah. I want to talk about a very uh, prominent female in the space, actually going by the name of Reese Witherspoon. Um, I know she follows uh, you guys on Twitter, but here's one tweet of hers that stuck out to me. She said, crypto is here to stay. I'm committed to supporting creators who have pioneered the NFT space and encouraging more women to be part of the conversation. And then followed by that, someone tweeted, and this was shocking and disappointing for me. Only 16% of the NFT uh, market is made up by women. <sighs> I mean, that's poor. <laughs> that's that's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And still, there will be people who will be arguing with you instead of focusing on the, on the real issue. Well, it's probably not 16%. It's definitely not 50%. So why are right. you fixated on that, you know, that number? And of course, like, and that doesn't, that includes all roles of women. That includes women, female developers, female artists, female collectors, uh, female, you know, you name it. Like, 
everyone in this space that includes all kinds of females and we make 16% of it. That's next year when their report comes out, when that article comes out, it needs to reflect more. Unfortunately, we have seen in the tech world with the VC funding that that number has not changed, that 3% has not changed in a very long time. You know, where 3% of women get all the funding and women of color get even less funding. Um, so, you know, we need to fix that because we have seen that in Web3. We have seen that in big tech. We need to change that in Web3 right now. It shouldn't even take a year. because That number needs to change, like, right now. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I can't stress the urgency of this. Like you're so stressed out. You're like, oh. I, I, I honestly am stressed out, but I want others to be stressed out about this. To only then can you, like, you know, like, take us into your hole, Melina. Take us into your rabbit hole. Um, okay, let's talk about Miami because I know you're probably just recovering jet lag from there. Um, I mean, I know you've had a chance to catch your breath back a little bit, but you are making waves out there, sister. Um, I saw you with uh, Randy Zuckerberg. I saw you just everywhere along the space. And I love that. So I'm going to play a little clip to you. Okay. All right. All I want to know is what did he say to you? Um, so basically like, uh, we were at this party. Okay. So firstly, like, yeah, in the middle of like a club, <laughs> there's a hijabi and her husband standing. <laughs> so, you know, like we were there, it was a Vayner NFT and Coinbase party. Um, and then I was going somewhere and then Aski was like, Gary V's behind you. And I'm like, what? And I just turned around and he was talking to somebody and then when he was done, he looked at me and he was like, hi. I'm like, hi, how are you? And he was, and then he started talking to me. He's like, you know, like he, he was saying something and I was like, and I just literally like, it's Jerry V. And I like, I said, you don't know me. Don't, don't talk to me. Like, you know me. I legit said that to him. And I was like, uh, because I was so, he, he was legit talking to me as if like he knew me. And he was like, right. I know who you are. And, you know, I know, I know, um, I know your project as well. And I was like, because he did, yeah. And he followed us like uh, a while ago, you know, on Women Rise account. And he followed me on like my personal account as well. But then, you know, you can kind of think, okay, he just knows, like he, he saw something and then he liked it and then he followed it. But you don't expect him to, like he follows 16,000 people. You don't expect him to remember those 16,000 people. Elaine, he remembered me. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And basically, yeah, I, I, so here's a little story. He used to talk about TikTok a lot about a year and a half ago. And well, two years ago or something. So I joined TikTok after looking at his videos. And I'm like, okay, like, let me, because I'm very curious about uh, technology in general and social right. media. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what is this TikTok? Let me check it out. And TikTok used to be this embarrassing thing to people where, oh my God, like, I don't dance. I'm not about music. Like, why would I join it? It's very cringe. You know, all yeah. of these like judgmental things. I joined it. I started posting about my artwork, my process. As yeah. an artist, my entire channel is about art. I gained my biggest following on TikTok. I made, um, I was able to drive a lot of, a, a lot of traffic to my website, to my shop. How many and followers do you have there? Like nine to four thousand. 
94,000. Yeah. And I was able to like the money that I made as a creator on TikTok, not from their creator fund, but like people going to my website, buying my artwork that played a huge role in launching this project because that kind of helped me and my husband make savings, you know, and that Aww. helped us because let's Get it, be girl. Honest. Get it. <laughs> let's be honest, you know, like these Projects take a lot of money. You have to pay the developer. You have to pay, you know, so much to like, um, you know, uh, launch the contract and so many other costs in general as well, you know, like that come along with this. I can't even remember like all of these different things. Um, and that played a huge role. So at first I shared that with him. But then, you know, he was just such a down-to-earth person and he just kind of like, you know, he he mentioned about our project. He said, like, I totally know you guys. Um, and then he said some other things that I can't really mention, but um, oh my oh my god, like okay, I tell you, I can tell you actually something, one of the things. So uh, I will be speaking at VCon and I'm guessing like by the time by the time this interview comes out, the announcement will be out because they're announcing on the 16th uh, okay. of December. Yeah, so... Wait, what is VCon again? The conference about VFriends, like the Gary V conference. Oh, dang. Yeah. Next so year in May. That's in May. Yeah, that's in May. So I will be, <laughs> I will be speaking <laughs> at VCon, which I'm really grateful for. But honestly, like, that guy is honestly like committed to supporting creators in this space. Nice. So is Ryan Zuckerberg, so is Hello Sunshine and Reese Witherspoon's company, and so is Reese. Like all of these influential people that we have known about outside of crypto and NFT as well, they're here as leaders and they're, you know, they're and they're working with other leaders in this space. And I love that, you know, and I'm I'm proud to be a part of this space. Um, and a leader in this space. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing content, that's why it's important to be built in Web3. Yes, it's very important. Um, so a recent guest that we had on Real Vision by the name of Chris Perkins, um, he is the CEO of CoinFund. And wow. he, I knew you would. I, I can't believe when he showed up on your Twitter feed, I was like, I knew they would find each other. Um, and that's the beauty of this community, right? I was like, I remember I was messaging you. I was like, you should really talk to um, this guy because I was telling him and he about you. And I saw him pen to paper before our interview with him started at Real Vision. I was like, Chris, are you actually making notes about what I'm telling to you? And he goes, yeah, I am. And then he tweeted um, a photo of you two together. And I was like, oh my God, they actually found each other. But I think that's when you share the great vision and value of what you're doing with a sense of purpose, it, this all na naturally falls together, you know? But he said something that's stuck in my head that's so prominent and it hasn't really left me. And I, I throw this out there a lot to people. He said that any collection with 10,000 pieces that's sold out, that you can automatically assume it will become a DAO. So what do you think of that and how important is that to you? Yeah, I feel like DAOs right now are very, very, very new. And I feel like, People do underestimate the value of it, but I do think while DAOs are a great way to kind of include the community and, you know, kind of make decisions together for the greater change, I do feel like there are other ways to do it as well. I'm not really sure, like, if, um, you know, if Women Rise will become a DAO, because right now we, we are going to become a, you know, organize, we are on our way to become an organization for um, to advance human rights in Web3, and a lot of things will fall under it. But I'm not really sure, like, if it's going to turn to DAO. DAOs in general are changing, you know, the the landscape of Web3. I think we will see um, 
small communities changing. And because of that, huge change coming because of DAOs. And I think 2022... Mm, I don't know. The more I'm listening to you, the more I know you're going to start a DAO somewhere. And that's, that's, that's obviously very happy for you, but I'm scared of you at the same time because I just hearing you along this this interview, I already know you're going to be like the DAO of Mother of DAOs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have an organization. Again, this can, you don't have to add this in the interview, but um, I have an organization. It's called Stop Restore saying that. I'm putting everything in no, because I appreciate not, everything the, that you say. <laughs> you're the boss. You're the boss, Elaine. Um, so, Damn right. <laughs> um, so I have an organization. It's called The Story of Mental Health. And I come from Pakistan. So like mental health is something that like um, culturally is like really stigmatized and you don't really like talk about it. And I've seen people like suffer because of it as well um, and t- and have their mental health turn into mental illness, you know, just because they weren't given the attention and there were no resources. So it's, it's basically organization focused on marginalized uh, mental health for marginalized people. Um, and, and I see my community as one of them alongside South Asian community in general, you know, various parts of the world, like they just don't talk about it in their families or in their culture. So I want to turn that organization into a DAO. Like I want to have a story of mental health DAO. Um, But I, yeah, I don't know like how that would kind of. um, We're going to, we're going to get there. I know we're going to get there. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like the need to actually just start going on the treadmill next to you. Um, what is your vision um, with Women Rise five years down the line? I think five years is a good mark. Yeah, it's a great mark. We do have a five-year plan. Um, well, it's going to be um, this organization that's, again, like, in short, advancing human rights, but what that what would that look like in detail, right? So that will look like an organization that's supporting female artists, women in STEM. So, you know, the women that we're celebrating right now through our artwork, we're going to be supporting them through different initiatives. So even right now, at 60%, we will be launching um, our activist club and rising women club, where we will be supporting women artists, women in STEM, launching scholarships, and so many other things. So five years down the line, we will be a more uh, bigger organization for change um, and, you know, advancing human rights, especially women's rights and girls' education and mental health. So that could, that looks like, um, firstly, having established and running the first school in the metaverse for the most marginalized communities to, you know, supporting women in STEM through scholarships, through programs, connecting them to different um, resources, uh, supporting female artists, and that would mean not just buying from them, but also amplifying them and also having their work in exhibitions because NFT exhibition will be a very different thing in five years. Um, to also actively bringing more women into the space and more girls into the space. But I'm really hoping by by in in five years, I have to like scratch that goal because we will have enough women in this space, you know, that we don't have to work towards it in the next five years. I love how you haven't made this whole interview like concentrated solely on NFTs. Every time it, you're just using NFTs and the technology for your yeah. motive. And I can feel that um, honestly deep within you. Um, how many NFTs have you sold from your collection right now? At the moment, we are at 1,870. 
And um, yeah, we, so that's out of 10,000. I know it's on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, tell our viewers where to find you and how to keep up with Women Rise. That's yes. a lot of questions in one. <laughs> No, that's no problem. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's on Ethereum blockchain. Um, and they can mint, um, anybody can mint uh, currently uh, on womenrise.part. And it will be available on Rarible as a secondary marketplace that you can trade it. Um, and, you know, like anytime, um, once you own it, anytime you trade it, of course, like, you know, you make money off that as well. Um, and currently we have sold 1,870 so far. So, yeah. Okay, lovely. And, you know, honestly, the beauty of NFTs is to bring, I guess, people who are building everything that's coming our way. Um, and, you know, I think it is at a time where obviously culture meets price. Um, and I think for people who's picking and choosing whatever they want to have as part of their profile um, is to just pick what suits your digital identity most. Um, so Malia, is there anything else that you want to get out there? Otherwise I'm going to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, well, the last thing I want to add is that thank you so much, Elaine. Like you're just such a wonderful person. Like, uh, the fact that, you know, we are joined here because another wonderful woman connected as Zoe and I have no, I don't know if anybody's keeping count, but single-handedly Zoe has brought in a lot of women into the space. And, yeah. you know, she's a reason yeah. right now. And I'm just so proud to, you know, just like be in your company, honestly. Like, I'm just so grateful and honored. So you're just That's like... really kind. You're an amazing person, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with your collection. And uh, please keep us updated here at Vision of, you know, what other things you are conquering um, in your space. Thank you, Malia. Thank you so much, Elaine. Welcome to the end of the video. We know that on average, 85% of you who start a video on Real Vision finish it. That's extraordinary. On Facebook, it would just be 4%. And that's because Real Vision creates the most engaging content in the entire media world. Let us help you grow your business by making video content that really engages your customers. Email us at customvideo at realvision.com.